Welcome, friends, to Proactive, the podcast where we dive deep into the realms of productivity. This is not a podcast about just being productive in business or in achievement. Our hosts, Dr. Tina, Richie, and Arthur, and our guests each week are here to provide you with tips, strategies, and insights so you can supercharge your best life. Proactive is about being productive mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. If you are ready to produce your best life and balance being with doing, hit the subscribe button, get proactive. And now let's welcome today's guest. Today we have with us Kareen Bedard. Kareen is a trailblazing force. She calls herself the sex positive relationship designer. She's dedicated to guiding individuals to embrace their authentic needs and desires. With a passion for dismantling shame and guilt, especially as it surrounds intimacy and sexuality, Kareen empowers men and women to break free from societal constraints so they can design relationships that align with their true selves. Her transformative approach replaces shame with confidence, as well as cultivating a sense of peace, inner peace, which allows clients to step into their power and ethically create the relationships of their dreams. At the heart of her impact is her renowned eight-week program, Breaking Free from Conformity. So let's get started with the interview. Let's learn about Kareen's personal transformation, where she started from point A and moved to point B, and how she now guides others to do the same. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me, Tina. I really appreciate it. And uh, it's it's great to be on this show. I've had you on mine, so it's uh, time to return <laughs> return that favor. So where was I? So I grew up very fundamentalist, evangelical Christian. And my first episode, I say, is a Bible school graduate turned playboy enthusiast. So you can only imagine that uh, I grew up, like I said, my body was not my own um, in terms of like the way I was brought up to think about sexuality. You know, um, as as a girl, like I was saving myself for marriage. And so every decision I made was based on like, you know, for my husband, my body ultimately was for my husband, right? So um, when I got married at 22, over 26 years ago, and it's hard to believe now, it just seems like a lifetime away, but I was a virgin when I got married. So it was my ex-husband and we, you know, embarked on this journey of what happily ever after was, right? We made all the right choices and all that kind of stuff. So I... um 15 years into our marriage, um, the bomb was dropped on me. I always wanted to be this example of what a good Christian marriage could be because my parents argued a lot. And like, I remember the yelling and, and fighting before church and we're driving to church and we walk in and we're the perfect family, right? Like we never mm -hmm. talked about just how dysfunctional it felt in terms of the relationship, right? Like I didn't see healthy relationship, but I was bound to make that different and be an example of what a good Christian marriage could be. And so, you know, like 15 years into my marriage, I'm like the church pianist and, you know, we have three kids and it's all great and we don't argue much or whatever. Never mind the fact that we never were really very connected, but it like, it always like good. Mm -hmm. And then, like I said, my husband 
dropped the bomb on me that he was deconverting. Like he didn't believe and he had done this big investigation into his faith. And I was like, what? Like, what is happening here? First of all, if you have the truth, why would you, why would you look anywhere else? Like, why would you even investigate? Like, why would you ask any questions? <laughs> why would you ask questions? Um, and I just felt like I was on a table with one of the legs knocked off mm -hmm. and, and I just couldn't find my bearing. And I remember I was just crying so much because like my faith was everything to me. Like I believed every single word of the Bible. You know what I mean? Like it was my rule book for life. And, and I wouldn't have even said it a rule book at all. I would have just said, it's this beautiful guide. And you know, it's I love, yeah, I love my life and I like how, so I, it, it just really, really, really changed the trajectory of my life in so many ways. And the thing is, I respected him so much that I couldn't just ignore what he said. And he spent two hours telling me what he had re found and researched. And I, I was like, I can't just ignore this because he's not someone who makes rash decisions. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I thought? Oh yeah. my gosh, what am I going to do? And oddly enough, I remember one of the first things I thought of is what, what are we going to teach our girls about sex? Hmm. Isn't that funny? Like it wasn't the devastation of my marriage and what that's going to look like. And da, da, da. it was like, what are we going to teach the girls about sex? Like he's obviously going to tell them that they can have sex before they're married now. And all this, like, this is, I find it interesting now looking back how tied in sexuality and the morality of sexuality affects how it affects your worth and who you are and everything like, and, and it, and now I look back and I'm like, that really doesn't have any relevance at all. Like it really has no relevance on my morality. But and it was a download that you had Oh, down for thousands of years, hundred percent. Who you were as a human, who you were as a woman, your worth was yep. tied in to marriage, children, reproduction, 100%. right? Just like men's worth is tied into their job and achievement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, and producing your best life, as we talk, right? We're gonna pivot into. It's not about the medals on the wall and the children you have. Yeah, it's about enjoying the ride and the death and the journey. Right. And so let's hear yeah. more about your story. Yeah. So a hundred percent, I agree with you. It's this programming. Right. And so what I decided to do is kind of look into how does this line up? And, and I remember thinking, okay, well, the worst of the worst are these like sex people, right? Like they have <laughs> no potential for love. You can't love without Christ. They have no self-respect. They have no joy in their lives. This is what I've been taught about the world, quote unquote, right? And so I, I'm i like, okay, where do I go find this? So I started listening to Playboy Radio 24-7 because I happened to have Sirius Radio. It was like, and, and Sirius Radio had a Playboy station. So I was like, okay, they're the worst of the worst. I'm just going to go straight to the source. And I started listening 24-7 kind of thing. And and I was a stay-at-home mom, so the kids were at school. So I could listen all day long while I cleaned and did all the things. And I was like, these are my people. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was like, this is, 
this is not what I've been taught at all. Like these are amazing people. They have so much self-respect. They knew what they wanted. They were owning who they were. They respected each other. They understood consent in such a beautiful way. Sex positivity was just like this, this freedom that I saw. And I was like, what is happening? This is not at all what I've been taught. Sounds like you went down the the Alice in Wonderhill. Like yeah. if, if someone was design writing a play, right? Or a book, it's like you fell down the hole. Yeah. Like he opened the hatch and you fell in because you went into play. Like you didn't just go like I'm not interested in Christianity. No, you went from Christianity, maybe deep Christianity to light Christianity. No, I'm going into sex positivity. Like well, it's like the two things the I hole. listened to. <laughs> The two things I listened to all the time was like the thinking atheist who was um he was like a Christian radio host mm-hmm. and then he deconverted as well. So I really related to his story and I was like, well, he's still really cool. And he's like so like smart and like the arguments that he's presenting are just like he just sounds so normal and like not like this terrible atheist that I, you know, because they're all in a box, right? You're either in this safe Christian bubble and then there's everybody outside. Mm. Or, yeah, like, and if you're outside of that, you're heathen, you're lost, you have no joy, you have no capacity for love. And I'm finding all this other stuff. Then on top of that, I also came across on Playboy, this show called Swing with Michael and Holly. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, married people are having sex with other married people? And it's like, what? is happening here isn't sex the glue that holds your relationship together and i thought what is happening and also couple goals because they were having so much fun on their podcast and communicating and talking and rejoicing in each other's experiences with other people and i was like what is happening but i loved it all and i was like oh my god these are my people because i was the one who since I was like four was getting in trouble for masturbating, right? Like I, it was bad. And I had so much shame and guilt about that, but I was also a very sexual person. And I thought I don't fit in anywhere and I've got to be this good Christian girl. And I, you know, I didn't rebel as a teenager. I was like, so good, but like holding hands at youth group was rebelling. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like that was, mm, okay. Anyways, let's get off that train. So 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 what I discovered Mm -hmm. was that, you know, I am no longer bound to these rules. Like these rules don't necessarily apply. I, I was so devastated. I felt so alone. I felt so isolated because you can't tell anyone because they'll say it's the devil convincing you don't listen to the wrong people, right? And it's always protected that way. Don't ask questions because you might get the answers from the wrong people and then you'll be led astray. And I'm like, I'm married to this guy. Like, I have invested my whole life and now I'm not equally yoked and I can't just ignore that. I have to like figure that out. So, you know, some of the lessons that I learned through that journey is that you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. Like you you don't know what you don't know and until I started investigating and looking into things I was like was just surprised at every turn and it was such a beautiful thing um and I always say like I I rebuilt my worldview from the ground up. 
Mm-hmm. Right? So, um, Kareen, you've had this extensive story, lots of change in your life from A to Z, really, if you look at the way people talk about it. Tell us what you learned on your journey and how you pivoted and what's your new mission as opposed to your old mission, which was more about marriage and children. Mm -hmm. So uh, after the devastation of like, oh, no, we're not equally yoked and we don't like, are we on the same page and how are we going to show a good Christian marriage? I started to discover things and learn things about myself. And what I realized is that I didn't know who I was really outside of the church for one outside of being a wife, a submissive wife at that, that I had chosen, right? Like I had chosen to be submissive and uh, perhaps in the bedroom I'm submissive, but I'm actually not submissive in real life. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like in, in my regular life, I, I like, I am pretty strong with like, what I know and and what I say and how I teach. And I'm very much a teacher and very inquisitive, but intuitive as well. And so I recognized that I had put aside, pulled back everything that was me in a sense and did all the things that were conforming, right? Like I, I very much conform to my religion, my faith, my role as a wife, my role as a mom. Like I wanted to be a surgeon, Mm-hmm. or a musician but musician was much more mom friendly right like so i had sort of like taken that that whole career thing my mom was never a career person and oh no 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 like don't think that way or whatever so anyways i started questioning everything and so the lessons that i really learned were one you don't know what you don't know You know, we've been taught to believe certain things our whole lives, and we've been told what to say, how to say it, how to think, how to be. And that goes for relationships too, which is goes into why why I do what I do. Um, But like we have this standard of what we've been taught is right for relationships. And I say all the time, like everything we know about marriage and relationships can destroy happily ever after. Yeah. And I think that's a really powerful statement. And then the next question is, well, what what isn't going to destroy happily ever after, you know? And so um, I realized that I had to figure out who I was. So secondly, the lesson I learned is there's truly joyful, authentic people full of love in the world. Like it doesn't just exist in the church. And so it gave me permission to look at all kinds of other people, you know, people, those those sex people, you know, <laughs> sex workers were also super happy with their job because those who consciously chose it. And I was blown away by that because I thought all sex workers were like forced into it for the money because they had no self-worth and they were desperate. But that's not what I was finding out. And I was like, what? No one's told this side of the story. These people actually enjoy it and they're choosing that. And so I learned a lot about just like that joy 
did exist in other realms, in other religions, in other, in atheists were joyful as well. I was like, what? (laughs) How can that be? Oh, and atheists are also moral. What? How can that be? You can't have morality without God, right? So it was just a very, very interesting journey. The third thing, well, and, and back to that second point. I desired nothing more than to be authentic. Like that is everything I do. Breaking Free Authentically is the name of my podcast. People are like, how are you going to talk about sex? And why, why are you calling it Breaking Free Authentically? I'm like, because we all need to break free from this conformity that we have been taught, this box that we're in. And we get to break free, but we also don't get to be assholes when we break free. We don't get to just swing to the other side and go, oh, well, fuck you, men, because blah, 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 blah. I'm I'm woman. I'm strong. Fuck you, men. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's so much of that, like, pendulum swinging. And I'm like, no, no, I can still be a caring, loving, authentic person and change my mind. Like, I don't have to rebel against the system in order to be empowered with my own authenticity. Mm-hmm. And so that to me is super important. You know, we get to consciously choose and design and all, all things. Um, we get to be conscious about that. The third lesson, I probably kind of blew it a little bit, but the third lesson that I had was just like what I we've been taught about relationships is wrong. But the only model that I was taught was not all healthy. And the only model that I knew was monogamy. Yeah, it's the only model that, you know, we're brought up. It's kind of like systemic racism when we're living in it. Mm. We didn't see, like, I'm not a racist. I have friends who have all different colors, all different ethnicities, all different Mm. cultures. I thought the, the world had changed. And then all of a sudden you wake up and you realize the institutions that are in place, keep things in the past. Yeah. And And again, you don't know what you don't know. Right. And then we woke up to this. Oh, there's a whole thing that we didn't see. We didn't have our, we had our glasses on and someone made us wear a new pair of glasses. And so same thing we've been taught about Monogamy, except ironically, your Christian Bible and the Old Testament Bible, there's a whole lot of non-monogamy in there. Everybody is, everybody's got a bunch of wives and, and right. So different- episode episode 67 and 68 on my podcast, I interviewed this former pastor, and he is now a former pastor because someone from his congregation asked him if polygamy is allowed in the Bible. Mm-hmm. <gasps> So he was like, okay, in the New Testament, sorry. So he went and started researching and and he's like, well, you're not going to like my answer. He's like, I don't think that it's right and it, that it's okay, but I, it's not about me. I'm going to go investigate the text. And so basically the short version is that if you wanted to be in leadership in the church, you had to be the husband of one wife. That's it. There was no, there's no like rules about having only one wife and that's the only way. But if you wanted to be in leadership in the New Testament Christian church, you had to be the husband. And there was other qualifications for elders and like pastors and stuff like that. 
it was very interesting. And so anyways, we have this really long, like two episode discussion on just what we see is not necessarily what we've been taught. Like we all filter it through our own glasses. Like every denomination has their own version. Yeah. So what I want to talk to you about, if you don't mind me pivoting just a touch, you've made a drastic change in your life and back to a place that felt feels more authentic and more aligned with your soul, as opposed to your childhood teachings. Mm -hmm. That is, it's hard enough for people to wake up and learn who they are internally at their soul. That's step one. Mm -hmm. And then to have the fortitude and the strength to act on that. Right. And so being productive and producing your best life, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically, what were the tools that you used to find out who you were and become aligned with knowing who you were? And then what were the tools you used? So again, for our listeners, how do they figure out who they really are? And then how do they act on that? If the way they're living their life may not be a hundred percent in alignment mm-hmm. with who they are. What, 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 what were you able to use to help you figure it all out? So I would say probably the biggest thing, which kind of goes into everything I do now, because I see this as sort of the monumental thing. I became sex positive um, and that's what set me free. But how do you become sex positive? Sex positive. You let go of shame and guilt. Mm-hmm. And so I was able, like, as I looked at and became aware of, like, people were in this in this Playboy world, didn't have judgments about each other. They didn't. Um, so they didn't judge each other. They didn't judge themselves. They didn't judge their desires. They didn't judge their thoughts um, or emotions about things. They they just allowed themselves to be and they were okay not being quote unquote popular or not conforming. Like mm-hmm. it's like they were okay being these outsiders that all supported each other and, and like lifted each other up. And that was like very much like the church. I could relate with that. Like we all want community. We all need to belong somewhere. Right. And so like, if you are leaving something that's so ingrained, like I was a church music major, I studied to be a church music person. I was the worship leader, the pianist. Like I I was a church pianist since I was 13. That's, that's all I knew is everything having to do with the church. So what happened is I became so aware of this sex positive community and I started to open up to this, this idea that it's not shameful and that my body and my pleasure belongs to me and there's nothing wrong with that. And then I started to explore what that might look like and what are other avenues and, 
and looking at different relationship styles and, and all that kind of stuff. And I came to be very comfortable with my own sexuality and no longer was thing were things like masturbation wrong or, you know, the idea of um, non-monogamy, ethically non-monogamous or being ethically non-monogamous was was intriguing to me. I was like, well, what is that? And why does that work? And and we've been taught all these things. How does it so awareness, getting rid of shame and guilt, one. Um two, being aware of things, of my programming, mm-hmm. aware of what I'd been taught, just taking a look at it. Does that make sense? That was a big one. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Has this been taught to me here? Does it add up over here? Like these people are happy and these people are happy. I was told that couldn't be. So someone's wrong. Just noticing those kinds of things and just questioning, not being afraid to ask questions and questioning and being okay with whatever the answer was. Like I didn't, I didn't have to know everything. So staying curious. Yeah. Be aware of your thoughts and where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. Being aware whether they're your thoughts, your beliefs, yes. actually downloaded and programmed into you. It's kind of like we get told that we come out of the womb with a empty iPad and then we choose the apps. But in reality, those apps are pre-programmed before the age of seven, mm-hmm. you know, and we have to decide which ones we want to keep and which ones we want to delete in our brain and that was the beauty think of that yeah that was the beauty of um rebuilding my worldview because like I remember having the discussion with my ex-husband we were like well sin doesn't exist if the bible as we know it doesn't it isn't true right like so if that's not all true for me it was all or nothing like it, it 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 can't be a little bit true. It's either all true or not true at all. And so if it's not all true, then there's room to like interpret differently or to look at things differently. There's not just one way. And I'd only been taught that there's only one way to look at things. Right. So this gave me the permission to be like, okay, well, if, if premarital sex say is not sinful, why is it wrong or how is it harmful? And, and how can, you grow into your sexuality without hurting others. So it, you, I started to look at like, how do my decisions affect other people? So you accepted in- your, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. No, no, go for it. So yeah. it sounds like the key, you accepted the morality and the ethical, the ethical part of, I want to be a compassionate, ethical, moral human. Yeah. Like what and, is that? I get to make, yeah. I get to, ask the question, what is morality and what is ethical and what is compassion and how can so, I be that in the world in my paradigm? Yeah. yeah. And so the the question was no longer, what does God say about this? It was like, am I hurting others? How, you know, who does this benefit? Does it benefit me? Does it benefit other people? Um, am I, you know, is this disrupting things? Is it just like people's egos that are the reason why they're struggling? I recognize that I was very codependent in my, in my marriage. And, and I was like, I was doing things and saying things for someone else and ignoring my own needs and desires because 
I wasn't supposed to, that was selfish to, you to want your own. You had, yeah. You I remember the submissive, word, but subjugate, you subjugated yourself yeah. to yeah. your partner rather than being submi sub submissive at times and dominant at others. Right. So you yeah. lost yourself in your marriage. Yeah. Was that, was that just out of interest um, from obviously we're sat here half from myself from a man's perspective yeah, um, yeah. And I know we're hearing a lady's perspective which is super interesting for us because we'll never know what women are thinking <laughs> so <laughs> um was there ever a convergence point between the faith and sexuality or did you decide that actually the convergence was morality and sexuality was more important than the faith and sexuality which one did you come to when you hit the crossroad so if we're talking about a crossroad of like when I discovered that the Bible wasn't necessarily 100% true as I had mm. been taught, now it became a question of, so it wasn't about faith anymore. Mm. It, it was because faith now was just about sort of blind belief in something that didn't necessarily hold up. Yeah. And so if it's not holding up, I can't rest my whole decision-making on something that, that other people have told me was right for me. Yeah. Because now I get to decide what's good for me and what isn't. And, and let's just talk about the empowerment that I discovered when I, so I went like to the atheist side and now I'm like, kind of more on the spiritual side like I came back to the middle but I couldn't even think spirituality um at the time it was too triggering it was too close right I remember just stepping out of the box of, re of religion and I wouldn't even have called it religion like I I didn't think Catholics were Christians that's how evangelical I was right <laughs> like it was that um so I'd step out of the box and then look in and go oh my gosh it's crazy these Christians are so weird and like, they're it's so weird. And then I'd be like, okay. And I jump back in and I'd be like, okay, okay. I didn't die. You know, I wasn't, God didn't smite me down, you know? And that's kind of how I did it. I'd, I'd go investigate. I'd step out, investigate. Ah, and then I was like, so anxious about like, mm, you don't want to blaspheme. Like that's such a big thing, right? Like you don't mm -hmm. want to call God out. Like if he's really real and he's who the Bible said that he was in my, how I'd been taught, yeah. he very much disapproves of this. And, and like, I shouldn't be asking these kinds of questions because that means I don't have enough faith. I'm not trusting him. Mm. So it's just like, I kept going back in and then I'd be like, oh, okay, okay. I'm safe. I'm safe. And then I was like, okay. And, and I kept looking back in and then I'd, I remember seeing this documentary about the purity movement and thinking, oh my God, these people are whacked. Like, like <laughs> whacked. And I thought I was associated with that. Like, I thought that was beautiful. And oh, look at the relationship of the fathers with their daughters. And then I was like, this is sick. Like, this is mm. weird. You know, the fathers are basically marrying their daughters to keep them pure. And I was like, this is just weird. And, yeah. and all this stuff, it's just the awareness as I became more and more aware of the discrepancies, it started to fall apart more and more. And then I realized it's not about us an exact standard, you know, like mm. that's what we use to keep people in line and control people. You make sex the thing that we all desire 
mostly all of us, desire sex. We think about sex. We want sex. You make that thing off limits. You're laughing, Arthur. I can <laughs> that thing, it's off limits. And if that thing that you want is now wrong, yeah. then you're constantly going to be in a perpetual shame guilt cycle. Yeah. Which is going to bring you back needing forgiveness and needing, you know, to restore things back. And so you're going to leave a little bit more of yourself and a little bit more of yourself to be more right, to fit in more, to be more accepted, to be more worthy. And that feeds into all of that. It is interesting when you think about what makes a human, we need air, mm-hmm. we need food, we need water, we need touch. We die without touch, mm-hmm. right? It is, and like monkeys, we'll go for the cuddly mom over the food. Touch is so important, but they, the I don't think they did it consciously. And yet, when you think about how it's been passed down, they couldn't take air away. They couldn't take food away. They couldn't take water away. So they took this thing, in a sense, and controlled a fundamental need of the human body. Mm-hmm. What an amazing way to control human nature. Mm-hmm. Because we're all, we all need it. And yet we're taught in some cases that our needs are wrong. I always say that sex and love are in two different circles and you can put them together as much as you want. So you can have, you can have love without sex and you can have sex without love. And sex is sex and love is love. They don't equal each other. Love doesn't have to have sex in order to be valid and sex doesn't have to have love in order to be valid. Therefore, this is where the conscious, and this is why I call myself a relationship designer because we all, we think nothing about designing our homes or redesigning our homes, but for some reason we enter a contract with someone and then we're like, well, that's it forever. And we're not changing that because these are the rules that I've been taught you know, you love one person, you're going to be intimate with one person because that means that. But if we take away shame and guilt completely out of the equation from sex, sex can be its own thing. It can be recreational. It can be just fun. Like I say, it's like playing tennis. You can just have sex for the sheer just pleasure of just having sex and enjoy it. And there there doesn't have to be love at all. Or There's times when you want to have sex and it's a very connected experience. It's a sacred experience. The thing is, we get to choose that. Can I add one thing? Yes, please do. Sex can be therapy as well. Mm -hmm. Sex can be healing and it can be traumatizing. Yes. And we don't use it enough in medicine, in the healing arts. Mm -hmm. So many people have been traumatized because of sexual in you know through sex Mm -hmm. and healing can occur through sex and Mm -hmm. you think about therapy richie um you may have issues mommy daddy issues work employer issues friend issues you don't 
always go to your, um, you don't always go to your lover as for therapy. And there are actually people who are sexological um, body workers who are therapists that work on a body to heal sexual trauma. Now, it's not a love sex. It's actually therapy sex. Mm -hmm. And so, again, I think what Karine is saying is there is this separate, there's a definite, and to me, sex is pleasure. So it's so much more than to, you can have an orgasm watching the sunrise. Are you going to tell your 17 year old that she's sitting with a friend holding hands, watching the sunrise and her whole body starts to shudder or she starts to cry from the beauty of it. That she did something wrong because she wasn't in love with the human she was with when she had this incredible physical experience. No. So, I mean, that's why I say to her, look, you know, it's your choice. You pick. Yeah. Yeah. Be be aware of the people that you're choosing. That's beautiful. That's because that's... people don't align with people and certain people are only out for certain things. And that's cool because that's that's how they live their life. I but think we can use the same us, language yeah. without making it be about sex. Like I like to think of it in mm. terms of energy, right? Like we share our energy with people, whether it's yeah. sexual energy or just a, a conversation energy or whatever. Like Either energy is just as important. And I think like you get to choose. This is this is why a lot of relationships break down is because if you put this like this rule that love has to be sex and sex has to be love, now you're going to judge your the health of your relationship by how loving the sex feels. And and sometimes you just want a release kind of sex and it has nothing to do with the amount of love you feel for someone. You might not be able to tap into that side of you. And if your judgment, if you're, if those things are very connected to you, that they mean each other, right. Then you're going to misinterpret how things go. Whereas if you are consciously aware that sex is sex, love is love. There's no shame in either one. You get to choose how and how you show up for sex. You can make contracts with people, with your partner. You can renegotiate the terms of what sexuality looks like. You can now decide that flirting with someone else and like tapping into your like desires and like your, your fun energy, you can take that energy and use it to fuel your sexual intimacy with your partner and turn that energy into fueling your love as well because there's many options it's not one and the same it's not always going to be connected and because of that now you get to be the designer of your relationship you get to be empowered in every choice so my daughters they're now 20 and 22 there's zero shame about sex they have grown up in a non-monogamous you know household for for the at least the last few years, um, I've been very sex positive with them, teaching them that there is no wrong or right decision about monogamy or non-monogamy, but it has to be conscious and it has to be ethical. And both of them have zero interest in being non-monogamous. 
they want to choose monogamy and that's perfectly great. I'm like consciously choose monogamy. Don't just default to it because you're afraid of what might happen if you're not monogamous. Like we use monogamy as a safety blanket and I 100% think monogamy is great, but also non-monogamy is great <laughs> because yeah, I have this huge capacity to love people and I get to you know, go out with other people and, and fill different needs. Like I have a date on Wednesday night, for instance, and I get to go out with someone and literally it's not about sex that date. It will be eventually. It can be. We're very attracted to each other, have a lot of great chemistry, but like the, the idea of going out for dinner and having the intelligent conversation, like how we do is different than how my partner and I interact. And it's very, sensual for me to just have a great conversation like that and it's not it doesn't have to lead to intercourse and it's just as fulfilling some would say that's cheating right like but but in my world there's it's all permissible because there's agreements and consciousness and ethics in terms of how I approach my partner and the decisions we make together um but I'm not going to bulldoze my own way through that because I want to experience this. Like it's, it's a conscious designing of, of this, but it also means we strip away the rules and the programming of what we're told relationships are. And one of the big ones is like, find your soulmate, find your other half. And that says right there that you're not whole without that other person. And now we're dependent on someone in a way that's not necessarily healthy. Whereas interdependence, again, is a conscious choice. So I'm all about consciously, like, let's get rid of shame and guilt. And then let's pull the pieces that work for us and put them together. That's beautiful. I'd like to broaden with you what you just said, which is for our listeners, none of us here are telling you how to live your life. No, we're telling you make conscious decisions that are aligned with who you are, know who you are. This is a good way to do it. This is not aligned with me. And I invite Kareen has a lovely quiz on her website and the quiz itself just provokes. Oh, I never thought of that. Oh, I never thought of that. Right. Mm -hmm. And so again, but not only in the arena of relationships and sexuality, but the same thing with your job. Are you aligned with your work? Yeah. Are you aligned with your family, right? I lived in a household where my ex, um, like he saw people all day long, non-judgmental people, Democrat, Republican, Christian, Jewish, Indian, Asian. He didn't care. He was very non-judgmental at the workplace but when he narrowed it down in the household wait if you're part of my family you're supposed to think like me Mm -hmm. and that happens i think more than more often than not in nuclear families Mm -hmm. right when somebody in the family starts to think outside the box and the rest of the family goes wait 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 but that's not how our family does things we've been taught that safety is within the box, right? Like you find your box and you stay in it and that's safe. And that's why it's like when I was discovering my faith or my, my unbelief, 
I would jump out of the box. Literally, that was the visual that I saw because I was in this box of conformity. And like, if if we come to a relationship saying, okay, anything but monogamy is wrong, for instance, then if you even want to explore that, anything but monogamy, you're going to have shame and guilt about it. And that's going to skew all the decisions right. you well, make. That's what I'm saying. Letting go of the shame and guilt is yeah. you get like you do you in it as long as you're ethical, compassionate, and not hurting another human, you should has- be able to speak your needs and your desires and then forge forward with how you want to live your life. Yeah. And your family may or, you know, they get to live their life and they're not bad or wrong either. Do you find, Tina, that like most people don't really know who they are, though, because they've been busy conforming their whole life? Right. Well, and- that's why I'm saying, what did you do? That's why I asked. Right. So to find out who you were. And I would yeah. ask you. And, and, and it was like giving myself permission to be wrong. <laughs> That was a big one because I needed to know that I knew that I knew that I knew. If you know any Christians. Well, in general, we're taught we can't fail, which means we can't change right. mind. We can't, right? Which failure is growth. It's not bad. Exactly. But and like, taught in school, it's not good to fail. And divorce is a failure. So right. certainly you can't explore because if you have to change your mind, that's a failure. But what I love is that my ex-husband and I, we consciously uncoupled because we recognize that we're actually not on the same page. Like we don't even want the same things in life. Like the idea of retiring together was like, ew, I don't want to do that. I I think you're a great person and I love you and you're great. But like, I do not want to do, I want to travel. I want to go do shit. I don't want to just save my money to sit here my whole, the whole rest of my life. Like our, our, our vision of things was so drastically different, you know? And so 23 years into the marriage, we decided, you know what, this is like, (laughs) I remember him saying, you know, we've had a good run, like in poker, you know, maybe it's time to like fold them. (laughs) And I was like, that's actually a really good analogy. Mm. We've had a good run. It's time to fold them because sometimes we just hang on to those cards because we're like, well, maybe I'll just bluff a little longer and maybe, you know, I'll win the hand because, but like, who's winning? And when we separated, the kids were like, I'm surprised you guys stayed together as long as you did. That's what my kids said. (laughs) And it's not because we fought necessarily. It's because there was not, we were not aligned. There was never, I can talk to anybody. I could not have a conversation with this man. Like we could not. It was like, we just, this, we're always. Well, you came together to make children and you obviously made good children. I, yes, they're wonderful. So there you go. (laughs) And they're very tall. I am not. So there you go. Well, another episode is in the books. I'd like to thank our guest, Kareen, for her amazing insights. Please support Kareen. Check out her links, both web, social media, even check out her free personality relationship quiz. The details will all be in the show notes. Our podcast drops every Monday at 9 a.m. Please subscribe. Please share with friends. And until next time, always remember, time is your most valuable resource. So get proactive, be productive, and ensure you produce your very best life.